1: Great to have you with us as always here on the GM Shuffle. Hope everyone is staying safe and there is no shortage of football news to discuss. In fact, we're going to unveil a new idea that Mike came up with, Fix My Team and How Many Moves, an old plan, an old game show. And so we're going to focus on the Jacksonville Jaguars today specifically. we all got the GM Shuffle mailbag and uh, Ben Roethlisberger, all that stuff to get into. But first and foremost... As Mike had predicted, when it comes to the salary cap, it was going to go down. And now that we know it's going down, what does this mean for all these teams? So here's the basic news out of the gate. Lowered salary cap means more veteran cuts across the NFL. Yesterday, marking the opening of the franchise and transition tag windows, we're in the final stages as teams prepare for the new league year and the start of free agency on March 17th. So the tag window runs from February 23rd through March 9th. There's lots of different aspects to this. But the bottom line is this. The player's likely to be tagged, Mike. Let's go in this direction. Justin Simmons first, safety with the Denver Broncos. Tagged last year for 11440000 million. He'd like to see his salary jump to 13.73. He's played well under Vic Fangio. Your thoughts on Simmons? I really like Simmons. You know, when Simmons came out, he was one of the few
2: players that when I scouted him coming out of Boston College, that he actually tackled Lamar Jackson in the open field. You know, he had great instincts for the football. I think he's a a vital piece to their team. You know, the problem is the Broncos have 31 million of cap room and their new general manager, George, George Payton. I mean, he's got some tough decisions, but the biggest decision Payton has to make is obviously fixing his quarterback. But I think, you know, the problem with the salary cap going down is some of these positions you know you want to cheat yourself on do I really need a, a blue chip free safety? And I think the way the game has gone today, I think free safeties, middle linebackers, you know, I think there is important because you need range. You need to be able to have your defense play with, with a lot of, of speed. And when you have a free safety that can run and when you have a middle linebacker that can run, your defense is always faster. So, you know, I would be shocked if they let him in the open market. He would get a good deal in the open market. But once again, you know, the open market, is it really open? You know, that's the that's the interesting thing about free agency. Is the open market open? You know, is there going to be teams willing to spend money if the cap, say, goes up to 182, 183, maybe 185 on the high side? It's at 180.5 now. I, I think it's going to be what is the open market? And then we have, this is really about choices. What choice do you want to make?
1: Next choice, how about Aaron Jones running back the Green Bay Packers, securing his services one more season, around 11 million. Two things to consider, the difficulty of fitting that tag under the cap and unwillingness to play for the tag. That's a big part of this, Mike. As you know, a lot of players go, hey, listen, I, I don't want to play under the tag. I'd rather get a new contract. I'd rather get a signing bonus. So Aaron Jones, your thoughts on him with the Packers?
2: See, I think he's a little bit different. To me, Aaron Jones is a playmaker. Aaron Jones is a weapon. Aaron Jones is a unique talent that impacts the passing game. And because of that, he's just not a runner. You know, he's just not a behind the guy. Hey, he's in the game. They're going to give the ball to Aaron Jones coming out of the backfield. You know, watch screen, watch, you know, watch him on a screen. This guy can line up outside the formation. He does things that makes him into that Camaro area. It puts him in that Dalvin Cook area, you know, and so for me, I I would pay Aaron Jones. And I know the Packers are strapped on cap room. They've got 11 million and they're going to have to do something with Aaron Rodgers. They can pick up some cap room. they got to fix their defense. But to me, I think he's a vital piece to what they do. I would re-sign him. I know it's going to be expensive, but I see him more as a slot receiver, running back. I see him as a weapon. And whenever there's a weapon, I think you got to pay weapons. I don't think you pay runners. I think you pay weapons.
1: And that's the one aspect of it. When you have a weapon, you have a guy who can do different things for you. Kenny Galladay, wide receiver Detroit Lions, NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport confirming he's expected to be tagged if Detroit cannot sign him to a long-term deal. His tag would cost the Lions a projected $16 million. Of course, new brain trust there in Detroit with Spielman and others. Your thoughts on Galladay?
2: Well, I mean, look, you know, they just traded for Goff and... You know, they need guys around them. Marvin Jones is a free agent as well. So I, I think they're going to try to, too. Right now, they're, I think they're somewhere around 8.3 over the, uh, over the cap. You know, they're going to have to build around it. But look, I, I think what you're going to see is abundance of players. There, there'll be no middle class in the NFL. Uh, there'll be no middle class in the NFL. It's too hard. And so, so it's gonna be, you're going to rob Peter to pay Paul here. You know, so Galladay will get the tag, but somebody's going to get cut. Somebody's going to have to take a pay cut if they want to stay on the team. I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think you're going to see a
1: lot of cap casualties as this thing moves forward. I'm glad you mentioned that because that dovetails perfectly into our next point. Chris Godwin, wide receiver of the Buccaneers. Bucks one of the few organizations with plenty of cap space. They are a win-now team, obviously being Super Bowl champions, but you've tagged him. That means Shaq Barrett and Levante David hit the market. As you just said, you Rob Peter to pay Paul. You sign Godwin, but that means you could lose one of those two guys. Yeah,
2: I mean, look, it's going to be expensive
1: to sign Shaq
2: Barrett. You know, but I think, you you know, you got to try to do that. Levante, David, you got to try to do that. I mean, the Bucs have some cap room to play with. You know, they're not, you know, they've got just $13 but I'm sure they could go and extend Brady's contract. And he'll certainly take, you know, he'll take his paragraph five. It's all guaranteed. There's a lot of ways to maneuver for the Bucs. They also have Sue as a free agent. So, you know, when you have a little bit of cap room, here's what I think fans have to understand. this This cap room does not include the draft. So you have to budget for the draft. You have to take that into account. So, you know, you're not going to be shopping down the, you know, that you're going to literally, you got this free agency is a lot like when, when you go to the grocery store and you're a fat guy. You got to stay on the outside of the grocery store, right? You got to stay in the fruits and vegetables. You got to kind of go around to the dairy, come through the, and that's it. You can't, you can't go down the candy aisle. You can't go down the Coke aisle. You can't go down the snack aisle. Like this is what free, free
1: agency is going to be
2: exactly how we should shop. On the outside of the store.
1: And uh, speaking of more shopping, Allen Robinson, wide receiver of the Chicago Bears, this is their best offensive player. Chicago general manager Ryan Pace, many difficult decisions facing veterans. What do you think about Robinson with Chicago?
2: They haven't even talked to him. You know, they haven't even talked to him. So I, I, I doubt if they're. I doubt if uh, you know they're going to tag them. I mean, they haven't talked to him. They've been kind of quiet. I mean, you know, it was funny last time. Uh, I was doing Veasan, and and on the Veasan show, we have this five minute rundown. And Albert Breer was they reported on the rundown that Albert Breer said that the Bears were the likely uh, spot for Carson Wentz to go. And then then the next day, Breer wrote that you know he was wrong and that uh, uh, the Bears were never in it. Which to me, I think that that's probably the case. So I don't know what the Bears have up their sleeve. I really don't. I mean, where are they going with this thing? What are they trying to accomplish? You know, John D. Filippo, I'm sure would have wanted Wentz, but I'm sure the Bears saw that the price for Wentz was too much, and they passed away. And Robinson, you know, when you look at their team right now, the Bears are just just slightly above the uh, below the cap. Uh, at 2000000 million. They're going to have to figure out a way to get more more uh, cap room. They've made some bad contracts over the time, and they're going to have to figure that out. For me, I, I think Robinson's going to end up making it to the market. I don't think they'll tag him.
1: And now we get to the big uh, kahuna. Dak Prescott, expected to cost Dallas $37.7 million to tag him again. That's a 20% raise of his figure a year ago. According to CBS Sports, Cowboys aren't dumb enough to let Prescott walk, but they haven't been smart enough yet to commit the 27-year-old quarterback, which would give them greater roster flexibility. What do you think, Mike? Prescott getting tagged again? Well, look, the, the the Cowboys have have a lot of way. They have a lot of
2: money. They have a lot of cash, and so Jerry can do a lot of things to create this room that he needs. And he could start with the Marcus Lawrence. He's got seventeen million of paragraph five, right? So you know he can turn that into he can turn Demarcus Lawrence and Amari Cooper and Zach Martin. He can take their money, convert it into paragraph five base salary, and, and pick up the cap room that he's going to need to get. To get Dak, the question is really that Jerry has to keep fundamentally saying to Todd Francis: "Todd, look, you're making me tag you. I'm more than willing to do a deal. I'm more than willing to do a deal. But every time I tag you, you don't hurt. You don't hurt me. You hurt the team. You hurt the team because every time you take this I cap number, that's great for your W four. That's awesome. You're going to be tremendous, and you'll you know it's it's a wonderful thing. But this kid's going to go out here, and he's not going to have half the kind of team we need to have around him. Is that really what he wants?" Is that what this is all about? You know, if you want me to pay you more than Patrick Mahomes, I'm just not going to do it. If you want me to pay you in the 40 million range, you know, depending on the structure, we can talk about it. But, you know, I'm not sure that this is ever going to get done if you keep having this tag me, tag me, tag me. It works for you, the agent. It works for you, the player, like Kirk Cousins, but it never works for the franchise. It's not going to work for the franchise because we also know this. We know that next year, the cap may not go significantly up. You know now we're all expecting a huge labor deal. We're all expecting, you know, whether it's Amazon, you know, whether it's net some some streaming service is going to gladly come in and take the to take a package if they can get one. So we know the money and the revenues are going to go up, and the players share in that. But there's still going to be some residual effects of COVID even in next year's cap. So Jerry's got to have that conversation with them and just
1: clearly lay it out. It is going to get tricky because, like you said, the the situation is not going around anytime soon. The cap, the revenues, all the rest of it. The other big situation is Ben Roethlisberger. So we go from Prescott, obviously a young quarterback in the prime of his career, to Roethlisberger who's just old. He met with Steelers president Art Rooney II on Tuesday. Uh, According to sources, the reporting reportedly went well. They discussed his future. He's turning 39 years old next month. He has publicly expressed his desire to return to Pittsburgh for his 18th season, and he is more than willing to adjust his salary in order to help the Steelers manage their cap situation. Now we get into the numbers, Mike. He has a base salary of four million, a roster bonus of 15 million, which is paid March 19th. That carries a cap hit of over 41 million dollars. And the Steelers put themselves in this position last March. They lowered his 2020 cap number from 33 and a half to 23.75 million. So the, the 2021 cap number was raised by nine point seven million excuse me, nine point seven five million dollars in the process. Do you think that Big Ben comes back or does he retire or does he go elsewhere?
2: Well, I, I think they had this meeting. I mean, they got their Sunday clothes on and, and Big Ben came in and they did the mature thing, which I'm sure the Rooney family is good at doing. Unlike, uh, you know, the agent for Deshaun Watson who wants to negotiate in the media, they had a face to face meeting, right? And so, you know, a lot, of people, a lot of people just stop on the question is Ben coming back? And we know Ryan Tolner. Good guy. Ryan Toner does a good job with his clients. He announced that they want Ben back, and they'll contact him soon to go over the cap situation. Now, I think that's absolutely what that meeting was about, Part A. But I think there was Part B, C, D, and E in this meeting. I think that the the Steelers understood the last six games of the season, Ben looked like crap. You know Ben looked really bad, and he averaged five point two two. You know he averaged really a, a, a pedestrian five point two two yards per attempt. You know he only had thirteen plays of over twenty five yards in those games. He wasn't able to get the ball down the field. I mean the the Browns game he had five plays over twenty five yards, but that was more because they got so far behind. They can't run the football. Ben only wants to be in shotgun. He doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to be in in uh, under center. And so when you break this all down, you're basically tailoring an offense around a guy that, you know, is he good enough to really do it? I mean, Ben had 573 of his 608 passes came in the shotgun formation. Now, you could say, well, Patrick Mahomes does that too, AD, right? Okay, yeah, no big deal. But Ben can't run. Ben can't move. Unless it's a parking lot in front of him, Ben ain't going anywhere. So when you know he's in shotgun, when you know he can't they have no run game, they haven't had a 1000-yard rusher since 17. That's when Todd Haley was calling the plays. So this offense hasn't been very physical, it hasn't been dynamic in the front with the back and and a lot of this is because what happens to quarterbacks, what happens to teams is a veteran quarterback sets you down a path. It's a little bit like being, you know, you go down this path because you're trying to make it conducive for him, but that path becomes very dangerous, and it's hard to stop it. It's really hard to stop it because you're trying to constantly do what makes him happy. So they're in shotgun all the time. They can't run the ball. They have no balance. They have no play-action pass game. They can't get it down the field. He can't move. But yet he doesn't want to be under center because he wants to be able to control it. He knows he can't set up and take a six, five-step drop and bang the ball out like he used to. He doesn't have the legs or the power. So everything they're doing. So I think part of the meeting was, look, Ben, we're going to find a replacement for you. You you know, We're going to bring you back at a number. We'll talk to Tolner about this number. But just so you're aware, there's going to be a quarterback that comes in here. Now, I'm not saying he's going to start this year. And I'm not saying you're not going to be on the team, but this quarterback's going to be on the team this year. And we're going to build our team around the future of this quarterback with you here. We owe you a debt of gratitude for all you've done. You're going in the Hall of Fame as a Steeler. We owe it to you to bring you back. We owe that. I get it. But we also owe it to the franchise to have some form of a way to where we can transition. It's not Mason Rudolph. It's not the Duckster. It's going to be, it may not be Dwayne Haskins. It's going to be somebody that we feel like we can build around. And if you come back at a reasonable salary, we'll let you become, we'll let you be the starter. We'll see how it goes for the year, but we're going to have a guy that we can transition. And you're basically going to be the placeholder. And if you think you're going to play beyond this year, you know, we're going to have to evaluate that at the end of the year. And I think that's what the meeting was really about. That's the only reason you're going to have a face-to-face meeting. Why else, AD, would you have it? Typically, if you're going to bring, if, if you're coming back You know, Omar Khan, the cap guy, calls up Toner and says, hey, Bruce, you know, we need to redo this deal because it's already implied he's coming back. But you have a meeting because you need to discuss some things that you need to get off your chest about the offense, about why we had to fire Randy Fitchner, why we fired the offensive line coach, why we're changing, what we're doing offensively. The reason you had this meeting is because you needed to clear the air and you need to let him
1: know what you know. Yeah, it's all about communication, like you said. I mean, Roethlisberger, as you said, is going to go in the Hall of Fame. He's obviously one of the all-time stealer greats, but you want to just be careful how you deal with this relationship, right? You piss him off too much. Oh, we're just going to cut your ass, whatever. All of a sudden, it leads to bad blood acrimony. You still want him there, as you said, a veteran person to help ease the transition of power. Um, it, it's definitely different aspects to it, and that's why I think the right word for this is delicate, right? It's a delicate situation when a veteran, running, a veteran quarterback is not the same guy he once was. You realize... The end is very, very close, but you don't want to alienate him, and you want to make the process as smooth as possible. So I'm with you. I I think the Steelers, listen, they've always been a first-class, first-run organization. They just want to get everyone on the same page. I don't even know if Mason Rudolph, to your point, is he going to be a starter? Like I have no idea if he's the guy, but I do know Roethlisberger probably has one year left. That would be my prediction. I I agree. I think he's got one year
2: left, and I think they probably would like to just pull the Band-Aid off. You know they've got they're over the cap by 19 million right now, but that that includes you know that includes Joe Hayden at a at, at a huge paragraph five. That includes Pouncey at eight million. We know he's going to retire. You know they've got some issues they've got to handle. They they have to extend T.J. Watt. You know that also includes Ebron at five and a half. I mean there's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, meat on the bone that they can take off. You know and Rudolph as the backup quarterback he's only going to make a million. He's got one year left on his deal, so that's no big deal. But I think the bigger issue here is we've got a – Kevin Colbert's going to plan for the future of the f- franchise. And you are got to be honest with the guy that's been so good to you. And you got to be brutally honest with him and tell him why this is going down. And the reason we're going to lower your salary is not to be disrespectful to you just because, you know, we could easily – it would be easy to say, Ben, You just weren't good enough at the end of the year. You're 38 years old. You played probably one of the worst months of December that you could possibly play. And anytime an older player plays bad in December, that's never good. Because next year, he's not going to play better in December. He's going to play worse in November and December. So you know that going in. So... But you got to have respect for the player and you got to do this very delicately, but you got to be honest. You can't bullshit them and say, oh yeah, man, everything's okay. No, not everything's okay. Look at the numbers. Look where we are. We can't run the ball. We can't, we, you won't, you, we can't, we have no play action pass game because you refuse to turn your back to the defense. You know, we, we can't have a tight end on the field because you want to be in shotgun and we want to spread the tight end. We got to change things. Now, we know this, we're not going to, I'm under no illusions that they're going to change Ben's behavior. No way. They're going, to, they're going to try to change around Ben, not change Ben. And I think that's what the conversation was all about.
1: Yeah, I couldn't imagine at this point in his career, hey, we're going to try this new offense, this new thing. But no, 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 I, I can't do that. Like I'm 39, right? This is the old, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I am who I am. Let's try to ease this uh, ease this in the right direction as smoothly as possible. It's amazing to think back now at 11-0, that's one of the great fool's gold teams of all time. Like at 11-0, it was so misleading where this team was headed and now where they are right now, serious issues when it comes to the cap. We'll talk plenty more about the cap in the weeks ahead. As always, you can follow Mike at MLombar nfl you can follow me adnan s Firk, and you can follow our show's instagram page at the gm shuffle when we come back new segment from mike i think you're going to love it fix my team and how many moves first team up the jacksonville jaguars that's next
0: All right. Anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase "hit it long and hit it straight." Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So. driver is a breakthrough in driver technology it's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before black op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness that's just ridiculously high so what you got to do Go check out the PXG Black Ops driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle. Code Shuffle for free shipping on all equipment. pxg.com slash gmshuffle. Code Shuffle.
1: From New Jersey, USA, it's Fix My Team and How Many Moves. And now, here are your hosts. Michael Lombardi, and Adnan Berg. I love it. Great idea here from Mike. Fix my team and how many moves... This is a, an homage, Mike, right? You're going old school here.
2: Yeah, I mean, I did this I did this for the Ringer, my first year at the Ringer. We did it on video. I did all 32 teams, so we did it on video I, a, and it was a it was a great idea, but, you know, and so why not carry it over? I think it's it's interesting when you break and it helps me break the teams down. So, you know, and, and look, we all know this. You're never going to be able to fix your team In the first two weeks just like you're never going to lose 30 pounds in four days right it's going to take some time but it's going to take some planning and when you look at the teams and you understand where they're going and we can actually evaluate what their, act, what their plan is. Do they have a plan? Do they understand what it takes to build a team? That's why I wrote that column last week for The Athletic about how to build a team. And Jacksonville has a, has a blank palette. I mean, look, they have tons of cap room. They have more cap room uh, than any team in the, in the National Football League. They have $82 million to spend, uh, which means when you have that much money to spend, you don't have a good team. Now we know they're going to, you know, we know they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence. We can stop this nonsense that that he's not. The, I mean, the Jets are on the clock. Can we just put them officially on the clock? We'll get to them next week. But but they're on the clock. So you know, I think I think in, if if I look at Jacksonville, I would say there's five moves they have to make, and I think five moves make them competitive. Obviously, they draft Trevor Lawrence. Right, They need to sign, they need to come back, and they need to re-sign a left tackle, whether it's Cam Robinson or someone else who can legitimately give them a left tackle. That left tackle spot, now that we've just drafted Trevor Lawrence, becomes the most critical component of our football team. We got to hope Javon Taylor is good enough at right tackle, but we need the left tackle. We got to protect this guy. We got to do everything in our power to protect him. So to me, that's where that's move number one. Move number two, it all goes over to defense. Because we ha- were so bad on defense, AD, we couldn't stop a run to save our lives last year. I mean, it was so bad. There was only two games where we gave up less than a hundred yards rushing. We gave up five games of of one hundred and eighty yards or more. So I, you're gonna. So it's really about. We gotta start fixing the defense. And it's not about we need more pass rushers. You know, Kaysan's a nice player, runs up the field. Josh Allen's a nice player. We need, some, we need some toughness on the edges of our defense. And we need some power inside. So it's going to be an overhaul at the defensive line because the strength of our team is Miles Jack and Joe, and, and Joe Schobert. Those two linebackers and Leon Jacobs, who they drafted in the seventh round in 18, I mean, that's they can get by with that. They can't get by with this defensive line. So move number two, defensive line. Move number three, defensive line. Move number four, we got to figure out what we're going to do at wide receiver. We Keelan Cole's a free agent. Conley's a free agent. We got Chark and we got Chenault. So we got two good receivers. We don't need to really go and spend. We got two guys that are going to be our starting receivers going into the year. We need to fix that. Tight end. That would be part of the receiver group with Shaughnessy's a free agent. I definitely think we need to do that. And then the fifth move is we need to continue to improve in our defense in the back end. Are we good enough at corner? You know, we drafted CJ Henderson last year. DJ Hayden's a a free agent. I think we definitely need corners. I don't know what scheme they're going to run because they hired Joe Cullen as the defensive coordinator, and I don't know what scheme he's going to run. He's never coordinated. He's always been a front seven guy. So for me, it's hard to visualize how they're going to plan this. And then the other move I would make is I would trade Gardner Minshew. I think there's value in Gardner Minshew. I don't think he's, you know, obviously he's never going to play in front of Trevor Lawrence. I would go with Jake Luton as the backup quarterback right? I mean, Jake Luton's got ability. They drafted him in the sixth round last year. I'd go with him as a backup quarterback, or I'd wait till a veteran comes available and just sign him for the cheap. I try to see if I can get something for Minshew. And I think some teams should take a chance at Minshew. I'm not sure Minshew's that much worse than Baker Mayfield. You know, I don't think he's that much worse. I think if he was running Baker's offense, he might be effective. So those are the moves I would make. And I think if you do that now, if you're Trent Belke, you're building the team the right way. You rebuild the offensive line, rebuild the defensive line, prioritize the left tackle, get defensive linemen. You can't play games when you can't stop the other team from running the football. When you have five games where you gave up over 180 yards for those games, you gave up over 200 yards, You know that's the quickest way to lose games. And that's how I would handle it.
1: I'd like to add one with tongue firmly in cheek. Could we muzzle Tony Khan on occasion? Shad Khan, is, of course the owner, has said Tony has made some comments in the past. I just think, Mike, it's interesting. If I'm a free agent, I look at Jacksonville. What's the first word that comes to mind? Dysfunction, right? Like it's not just that they've had a history of losing. It's that they don't all seem to be on the same page. Trent Baalke is the GM. Obviously, Urban Meyer now is the head coach. Hopefully that changes things. But I do think the perception of the franchise has been... um, that's been one of their detriments over the last few years yes no doubt and I, and i think that basically you know they
2: have got to have a you know trying to hire chris doyle as their strength coach to me that that was the wrong message to send to your team that was that was you're not hearing or understanding or doing your due diligence and, and if you're Urban Meyer, you should be ultra sensitive to that. You should be really sensitive to that based on what's happened at Ohio State, based on what happened there with your strength coach. So, you know, you got off to that start. So you got to be really careful there. balky has got experience in picking players. You know, he, you know, I think he got caught up with trying to get value and in injured players in the draft when he was in San Francisco. I would say you need to stay away from that. But just because he has 82 million, I wouldn't really just go out there and spend it. He's going to be one of the few brokers in the market that has money to spend and doesn't have to spend it. You know, he's going to have an opportunity with the Jets, the Patriots. Those are the three teams and the Colts that have significant cash. So they're going to have their pick. And I think he has to be really careful how he spends that money because you don't want to be the fat guy at the buffet table and just eat everything. You got to be really careful, be diligent, carry some money over. So make sure that you can reward some of the players that you think you need to sign down the road.
1: You got the number one pick, you got the 25th pick. You got a lot of money to spend. You certainly have a new head coach coming in that's big time. Of all those moves, Mike, I want to piggyback the one you mentioned about Gardner Minshew. So that's interesting to me because like you said, he's a guy that can still have value. And what I'm curious about is the Carolina Panthers. Cause everyone keeps saying, all right, Watson of the Panthers, you know, the, the Panthers will, you know, sell the house there, et cetera. But as you and I have said before, we're not totally convinced that Deshaun Watson is going to get dealt. Now, as far as Minchu concerned, he's 25 years of age. You remember his first two seasons were at East Carolina University, then he went to Washington State. I mean, he started 20 games to raise 7 and 13. His numbers overall are respectable 37 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, a pass rating of 93. So I do think you're right. If you look at those numbers, you go, all right, hey, you can talk yourself into saying Gardner Minshew has has potential. Third highest passer rating against the Blitz this season. He throws a great deep ball. I think you're right. You could get some good vibe with Minshew. And again, we go back to the cap. His total cap hits over the next two years come to less than $2 That's a steal. Carolina could have him without having to move Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I mean, look, and, and you know, we,
2: Teddy Bridgewater might have unfollowed him on social media, whatever there's, there's some disconnect there, but I, I agree. Like, I think there's some value in this player. And, and and who's going to get them? You know who would? I'm not saying I would trade for Minshew and say, okay, I've solved all my quarterback problems. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I would trade for Minshew as you know, give up a draft pick that I feel like if I were to pick a quarterback in the, say the fourth round, I'll take Minshew and I'll let him have a chance to compete. It just gives me some arsenal. It's the same thing that the the Seattle did when they had Whitehurst and they signed Matt Flynn, you know, and then they drafted Russell Wilson. Like I, I'm going to try to collect as many of these guys as I possibly can to see if I can find one. And if I get a bird in the hand, he's never going to play there. He's never going to play there. Now, they could say, well, he's a cheap backup for them in case Lawrence gets hurt. Yeah, that's great. But would you rather have Luton or would you rather have a a draft pick? And I think that's the question you got to ask. So that's what I would do. If If I were in that position, if I was in the league, I would look to try to get Minshew on my team, knowing that in the right offense, I've seen it with Cleveland. Like, there's not a lot of difference between Baker Mayfield and Gardner Minshew. I'm just telling you, one was picked in the sixth round, one was picked in the first. You can pretend there is, there really isn't.
1: That's interesting. What could happen there for the Jacksonville Jaguars? I love the fact that way you broke it on. Everyone's going to focus on Trevor Lawrence. It's not just the offense, it's the defense as well. When we come back, we'll open up the GM Shuffle mailbag, discuss how franchises can become toxic. Stay tuned.
0: 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: As always, we appreciate everyone uh, chiming in on the GM Shuffle mailbag. The Shuffle at gmail.com is where you can get a hold of us. This one's from Kyle. Hey, guys, love the show. haven't missed an episode yet. Thanks, Kyle. Question for Mike. Has he read S.C. Gwynn's book, The Perfect Pass? Whether he has or not, what are his thoughts on the air raid offense, if he's ever met or interacted with Hal Mum or Mike Leach? Uh, Both these guys are great characters. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I know Mike, and I
2: like Mike Leach a lot. You know, and I understand the offense, uh, what he does. uh, I think there's uh, Mike never calls a run play. Mike Leach, I don't know Hal Mummy at all but you know in spending time with with Mike Leach he he it's everything's predicated on where the location is of the defenders uh where the how the box is loaded doesn't call runs it, the offense is simplistic in its design it, it, it allows the receivers and the quarterback to have different variations at the top of the stem. They repeat plays constantly. Their execution is usually pretty good. The problem gets into is, can your defense ever be good enough when they're constantly going against four receivers? It's the same problem that Pittsburgh has as they have transitioned into this, really, this, this air raid offense with Ben under center. He's never under center, but with Ben at quarterback because they become so soft on offense. I mean, the Pittsburgh has to—they threw the ball nine times on fourth and one. I mean, they, they have to throw it to get one yard because they have no ability to really power anybody. That's not Steeler football. So I think there's an element. I, I think in football, you can't be all of one thing and all of something else. you you got to have a little diversity in your portfolio. And I, I like what Mike does. I mean, Mike's been successful at places. He never gets three five-star recruits. He's always been able to do that. So I, I think it's it's certainly fascinating. I've never read The Perfect Pass, though. All
1: right. Another book here. Maybe uh, we'll get a book recommendation another time. J.J. Watt, another question here from Bo. Asked for release from the Texans. Carson Wentz has successfully left the Eagles. People all over the world leave their jobs if it's a toxic environment. So in the span of NFL teams, what is the difference between teams that create a culture that makes players want to stay versus teams that make it hard to stay? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the
2: culture, like when you break down Carson Wentz, I think the culture that that he left, they kind of created and gave him entitlement to, which, which really made it hard to coach him. And that's the one thing you keep hearing about Carson Wentz all the time was, you know, he didn't take the coaching. And that's part of the culture. You know, I, I, did, a, uh, I did a Zoom call. with the. It was really a, a tremendous honor for me because uh, I, I was able to do a Zoom call with the, the Chicago Blackhawks last week. And one of their players, Patrick Kane, asked me a question. He said, who, who was more important, Belichick or Brady? That's always the classic question. You know that most people ask and and everybody wants an answer one answer or the other and when you're building culture there can't be one answer brady allowed belichick to install the culture there's no denying that brady allowed belichick to coach him there's no denying that and because that brady allowed that then the rest of the team allowed that and embraced it when you don't allow that to happen it really it becomes hard to create culture it becomes hard to create an all-in mentality and I think that you know when when you do that, some of these organizations are toxic, and part of the toxic toxification that comes is because the there's too many people involved. You know, you know, in in Philadelphia, they go see the general manager, or they go see the head coach, or they go see the they bypass the head coach and go see the general manager, or go see the owner, or have conversations with somebody else. That that's not how you build culture. You build culture by people understand the chain of command. And you respect the chain of man. as Tony would say, those who want respect give respect. Culture's about respecting that. and and I think that that's really important. So you know, uh, I, I know it's toxic. I think the Eagles, you know, I don't think Wentz wanted the Eagles to trade him. I think the Eagles had to trade them because of of where they were. You know, they took a tremendous cap hit, thirty three million. It's the largest cap hit of any team in the in the history of the NFL since we've been in the cap at ninety four you know, and they're, they're 42 million below the cap uh, and they have to recreate more and more cap room, which will be a rebuilding year for them. So each situation is uniquely different. To me, J.J. Watt was a cap deal. They were not going to pay him 17 million. You know, they were going to have to redo his deal and he was probably going to say no. So they mutually agreed to part. I mean, I think that was a really easy one. That one I could have predicted in November. That was to me, no
1: surprise at all. One follow-up on Wentz, just because you and I have talked about it so much, just you were laughing at the fact the Eagles were trying to say they were going to get a Stafford-like deal, and we all know now it was a conditional second-rounder along with a third-round pick with the Colts. Clearly, the, the Bears weren't that interested. I mean, the only two teams are the Bears and the Colts. Maybe the Bears were a little bit interested. Obviously, John DeFilippo there has a relationship with Wentz, but the strong relationship for Carson is with Frank Reich, his former offensive coordinator. Clearly, Indianapolis wanted him. I laughed when I saw your tweets when you said, yeah, as we had predicted, the Eagles were not going to get a Stafford-like deal. And I'd like to see the conditions on that second rounder. That second rounder could become a first rounder if Wentz plays 75% of snaps, you know, if things have to go right for Indianapolis. But overall, if I said to you, Mike, Carson Wentz from 2017 to 2019, compared to 2020 Carson Wentz, who are we getting in 2021? Because I would say, I think he has the capability of being a good quarterback. I don't think he's broken, but I don't think he's ever going to be a star again. But this is his best chance for success. It's with Frank Reich. Maybe you can get him back to being in the top half of quarterbacks, but I personally don't see him being a top 10 quarterback next year. How about you?
2: And I agree. And I think when you break this deal down and you look at it, you know, what they get is they get a quarterback who is under contract for them without the signing bonus money, right? So he's not, the signing bonus doesn't count for them. So he's on their team. And for the next four years, he's got really, really, his number this year is 25 million. That's it. 25 million. That's a, that's a modest cap number to have for a quarterback. And next year it goes down. And it goes down. And if Chris Ballard wants to mess around with the roster bonus that's due on, that's guaranteed, if he wants to convert it in a signing bonus or do whatever he wants to do, he can spread it out even lower his number. I, I wouldn't recommend doing it because I think the next four years, what makes Wentz valuable is he is because the signing bonus has already been paid. He's a, an affordable player for them. So, you know, I think it's a great deal for the Colts. I think it's a great deal for Philly too, because Philly ends up, if he plays 75% of the plays, they'll get, and they go to the playoffs, they get a first round pick. That's worth it. You don't mind paying a first round pick for a guy that led you to the playoffs. And you're so right, AD. It's not about, he's not going, it's going to be a team element that gets them to the playoffs. Wentz is going to fit into the team. He's got to fit into the team on the field and off the field. And he's got to take the coaching. They've got a really good run game. They're going to get better on defense. Their offensive line is much better. They'll do a better job of protecting them than the Eagles did. So there's everything's ahead of them. You got to like the move. For both sides, I think it's the best of the situation. I think what made it ridiculous is them thinking they were going to get two number ones.
1: Yeah, that part was definitely laughable. But someone said to me, "Do you think Philadelphia years from now will regret trading Carson Wentz?" I said, "No. He might end up having a good to very good career of the Colts, but it was not going to happen to Philly." I mean, you talk about—I don't want to use the expression "lost the room," but between that offensive line, the receivers, the fact that no one seemed to be on the same page, Doug's play calling—I mean, that was just a mess for Wentz in Philadelphia. I—I I couldn't have imagined them turning it around. And like you had said. When they hired Sirianni, I'm sure Reich put in a word from, hey, that's my boy. Like, don't worry. He's like me. He can fix him. And either they realize they can't fix him, or like you said, cap issues. But I, I could never see Carson turning it around in Philly, personally. No, no, I, th- I think because of his inability to take to
2: coaching, his lack of respect, I think this is a respect thing. You know, what we talked about with culture, right? You know, his lack of respect for the way the organization was or his is indifference to being coached, maybe that's the correct word to use. That was the big problem.
1: All right, last topic, and this is a major topic, God. Uh, Tiger Woods, unfortunately, suffered a serious crash, single car crash, serious leg injuries. Thankfully, the latest as we're recording this Wednesday morning is non-life-threatening injuries. But so much to, to go on here, Mike. My first thought was this is the third time involved a car. It's been bad news for Tiger Woods. Remember, he was infamously pulled over when he was unfortunately under the influence of painkillers and other issues. Had that mugshot taken famously when his whole life fell apart. It was when he was suffered a single car crash. Uh, you know, rumors that his wife took a golf club to his car, whatever. So this is now the third time a Tiger Woods in a car. Something serious has happened. I, I first and foremost, I'm glad that it's not life threatening. I pray he's okay. I pray he gets to hug his kids again and and walk 18 again. But I'm not even thinking about golf right now. I'm just thinking about getting him healthy again. But just Terrible, terrible news, Mike. When you saw the headlines, Tiger Woods in uh, in a hospital because of a car crash.
2: Horrible. You know, and, and the injuries just seem so, I mean, they're Alex Smith-type injuries in terms of what happened to his ankle and and the surgeries, the pins, the, the the rods that are going to go in there. I mean, he's in for a lot of pain and a long, long recovery. And this is tragic. I mean, it really is. And it'd be remarkable, remarkable if he could ever swing a golf club again. And that that makes you sad to not be able to watch this incredible talent to walk around a golf course. And, you know, he just comes off his fifth back surgery and... Uh, you know, he's out in California. He was, was part of the Genesis Open, the LA Riviera there. And, you know, it's 7 o'clock in the morning, and he's driving. And, and I, I, you got to be honest. I mean, he's fortunate to have survived the crash. I mean, they had to pull him out through the front windshield. You know, there's indication that there was bone broke through the skin, which is always traumatic, uh, you know, and, and I feel badly for him. I mean, the, the pain
1: of these injuries is going to be severe and, and long. And like you said, that's why we're not even thinking about the golf aspect. It's just get healthy again. And, and who knows if he ever plays golf again, we may never see him again on the PGA Tour and have to focus on the memories. So many great memories he's given us along the way. But first and foremost, get healthy. And like you said, there's going to be a long and grueling recovery ahead of him. Before we close, what are you watching? The Pop Culture Minute. Golden Globes taking place on Sunday. Movies, TV shows. What are you and Millie up to?
2: Oh, uh, let me see. What have we watched? We watched the uh, the serial killer about the guy, Richard Ramirez from California. Mm-hmm. You know, that was, ooh, boy that was hard that that was interesting i don't remember it as much i was living in california at the time and that was that was tough to take and uh you know, and been. Wa- I, I love the Stanley Tucci in, in Italy. I yes. just love it. I just absolutely love watching it. And I've been watching the Lincoln documentary on CNN. Those two shows have been fascinating. I mean, I love how they, Lincoln, they bring in different writers, but Tucci to me is, you know, he's he's such an interesting character in the sense that he's played so many different roles uh, and, you know, his, his ability to, I love how he speaks Italian over there and he kind of has taken a different approach to it. This week he was in Rome. I wasn't in love with this week. I thought the one in Naples was great, but I just like the fact that he is, I, I, he's very likable, if that's the right word to use.
1: 100%. I i, I missed the Rome episode. I'll have to catch it, but I, I'd love the Naples episode because you think, listen, who in the world doesn't love pizza? Like for many of us, it's our favorite food. For him to actually go to Napoli and you see the way the dough is made and like the best mozzarella cheese in the world. When I saw that cheese get made and he takes a bite of it, the way he's like, oh my God. Like it's, just, it's literally taking his breath away. And like you said, he's this great character actor. Big Night is one of the all-time great food movies. You know, Devil Wears Prada, Julian Julius, Spotlight, Lovely Bones. Like he's made a lot of movies over his career. Both parents are Italian. Uh, He speaks fluent Italian, clearly loves the culture and the environment. I mean, think of that gig. Hey, Mike, we'd like to send you to Italy where your ancestors are from and just eat your way through the entire country. Would that be something you'd be open to doing? (laughs) Sure, sounds great. Yeah, but I wouldn't look like him. He looks, I mean, he's like incredible. He's skinny as hell. He looks in great shape. He's
2: monging like crazy. I mean, he's eating, you know, and I'm like, shit, I would be 50 pounds. I would just (laughs) look at half that food. I mean, they made that lemon dish in Naples. Like I was like my, like literally, I had, to just, I had to get a tissue to get the you know, saliva back in my mouth. It was ridiculous.
1: He is in remarkable shape, which I agree that makes no sense. I looked it up. Apparently, he like just runs like crazy. Because I'm like, how, how could you eat like this? I don't know how he can look like that. Maybe he just takes a bite or two and just throws the rest of it out. But apparently he does like eating his carbs. And he does like cooking a lot. But apparently he's just a workout freak. So like he runs like 10 miles a day. That's how he can look as skinny as he looks. Does he really? He runs 10 a day? Like I, 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 I marvel at people
2: that run 10. How do you have time to run 10 a day? Like, how do you have time to run ten miles a day? Like, that's that—that's a commitment. Yeah, I mean, that's you're working it now.
1: Well, somebody asked him. They said, "Do you have any addictions?" Like, ever? Like, he was on Mark Maron's podcast. He goes, "Come on, smoking, drugs, booze. Tell me." He goes, "Honestly, my only addiction is exercise." And Maron's like, "Come on." He goes, "No, seriously." He goes, "Every day, I've got to run ten miles. I got to lift weights. Like, that's that's my thing." I'm like, "God, if only all of us could have that kind of an addiction." Oh, don't talk to me once I've run my ten miles. Then I'm ready to go.
2: I love it. I I mean, I I marvel at it. I, I do. I marvel at people that can get up at six in the morning and go out and run and I marvel at people that run 10 miles and and do it. I mean, if that's what it takes to look like that, maybe we ought to think about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If not, we can keep living the good life that we are living. For Michael Lombardi of Adnambro, thanks as always for listening to The GM Shop. We'll be back next time. Lots of off-season news coming. Appreciate all of you listening. Stay safe. We'll talk to you soon.